Chapter Eight of the Filigree Ball by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Eight. Slyer woes. Let me repeat: the person who had left the marks of his presence in the upper chamber of the Moore House was not the man popularly known as Uncle David. Who then had it been? but one name suggested itself to me mr jeffrey it was not so easy for me to reach this man as it had been for me to reach his singular and unimaginative uncle in the first place his door had been closed to every one since his wife's death neither friends nor strangers could gain admittance there unless they came vested with authority from the coroner and this even if i could manage to obtain it would not answer in my case what i had to say and do would better follow a chance encounter but no chance encounter with this gentleman seemed likely to fall to my lot and finally i swallowed my pride and asked another favour of the lieutenant would he see that i was given an opportunity for carrying some message or of doing some errand which would lead to my having an interview with mr jeffrey if he would i stood ready to promise that my curiosity should stop at this point and that i would cease to make a nuisance of myself i think he suspected me by this time but he made no remark and in a day or so i was summoned to carry a note to the house in k street mrs jeffrey's funeral had taken place the day before and the house looked deserted but my summons speedily brought a neat-looking but very nervous maid to the door whose eyes took on an unmistakable expression of resistance when i announced my errand and asked to see mr jeffrey the expression would not have struck me as peculiar if she had raised any objection to the interview i had solicited but she did not her fear and antipathy consequently sprang from some other source than her interest in the man most threatened by my visit was it could it be on her own account recalling what i had heard whispered about the station concerning a maid of the jeffreys who always seemed on the point of saying something which never really left her lips i stopped her as she was about to slip upstairs and quietly asked are you loretta the way she turned the way she looked at me as she gave me a short affirmative and then quickly proceeded on her way convinced me that my colleagues were right as to her being a woman who had some cause for dreading police interference i instantly made up my mind that here was a mine to be worked and that i knew just the demure little soul best equipped to act the part of miner in a moment she came back and i had a chance to note again her pretty but expressionless features among which the restless eyes alone bespoke character or decision
mr jeffreys is in the back room upstairs she announced he says for you to come up is it the room mrs jeffrey used to occupy i asked with open curiosity as i passed her an involuntary shudder proved that she was not without feeling so did the quick disclaimer no no those rooms are closed he occupies the ones miss tuttle had before she went away oh then miss tuttle is gone loretta disdained to answer she had already said enough to cause her to bite her lip as she disappeared down the basement stair decidedly the boys were right an uneasy feeling followed any conversation with this girl yet while there was slyness in her manner there was a certain frank honesty visible in it too which caused me to think that if she could ever be made to speak her evidence could be relied on mr jeffrey was sitting with his back to the door when i entered but turned as i spoke his name and held out his hand for the note i carried i had no expectation of his remembering me as one of the men who had stood about that night in the moore house and i was not disappointed to him i was merely a messenger a common policeman and he consequently paid me no attention while i bestowed upon him the most concentrated scrutiny of my whole life till now i had seen him only in half-lights or under circumstances precluding my getting a very accurate idea of him as a man and a gentleman now he sat with the broad daylight on his face and i had every opportunity for noting both his features and expression he was of a distinguished type but the cloud enshrouding him was as heavy as any i had ever seen darkening about a man of his position and character his manner fettered though it was by gloomy thoughts was not just the manner i had expected to encounter he had a large clear eye but the veil which hid the brightness of his regard was misty with suspicion not with tears he appeared to shrink from observation and shifted uneasily as long as i stood in front of him though he said nothing and did not lift his eyes from the letter he was perusing till he heard me step back to the door i had purposely left open and softly close it then he glanced up with a keen if not an alarmed look which seemed an exaggerated one for the occasion that is if he had no secret to keep do you suffer from draughts he asked rising in a way which in itself was a dismissal i smiled an amused denial then with the simple directness i thought most likely to win me his confidence entered straight upon my business in these plain words pardon me mr jeffrey i have something to say which is not exactly fitted for the ears of servants then as he pushed his chair suddenly back i added reassuringly 
it is not a police matter sir but an entirely personal one it may strike you as important and it may not mr jeffrey i was the man who made the unhappy discovery in the moore mansion which has plunged this house into mourning this announcement startled him and produced a visible change in his manner his eyes flew first to one door and then to another as if it were he who feared intrusion now i beg your pardon for speaking on so painful a topic i went on as soon as i saw he was ready to listen to me my excuse is that i came upon a little thing that same night which i have not thought of sufficient importance to mention to any one else but which it may interest you to hear about here i took from a book i held a piece of blotting-paper it was white on one side and blue on the other the white side i had thickly chalked though this was not apparent lying down this piece of blotting-paper chalked sight up on the end of a large table near which we were standing i took out an envelope from my pocket and shaking it gently to and fro remarked in an upper room of the moore house you remember the southwest chamber sir ay didn't he there was no misdoubting the quick emotion the shrinking and the alarm with which he heard this room mentioned it was in that room that i found these tipping up the envelope i scattered over the face of the blotter a few of the glistening particles i had collected from the place mentioned he bent over them astonished then as was natural brushed them together in a heap with the tips of his fingers and leaned to look again just as i breathed a heavy sigh which scattered them far and wide instinctively he withdrew his hand whereupon i embraced the opportunity of turning the blotter over uttering meanwhile the most profuse apologies then as if anxious not to repeat my misadventure i let the blotter lie where it was and pouring out the few remaining particles into my palm i held them towards the light in such a way that he was compelled to lean across the table in order to see them naturally for i had planned the distance well his finger-tips white with the chalk he had unconsciously handled touched the blue surface of the blotter now lying uppermost and left their marks there i could have shouted my elation at the success of this risky manoeuvre but managed to suppress my emotion and to stand quite still while he took a good look at the filings they seemed to have great and unusual interest for him and it was with no ordinary emotion that he finally asked what do you make of these and why do you bring them here my answer was written under his hand but this it was far from my policy to impart 
so putting on my friendliest air i returned with suitable respect i don't know what to make of them they look like gold but that is for you to decide do you want them sir no he replied starting erect and withdrawing his hand from the blotter it's but a trifle not worth our attention but i thank you just the same for bringing it to my notice and again his manner became a plain dismissal this time i accepted it as such without question carelessly restoring the piece of blotting-paper to the book from which i had taken it i made a bow and withdrew towards the door he seemed to be thinking and the deep furrows which i am sure had been lacking from his brow a week previous became startlingly visible finally he observed mrs jeffrey was not in her right mind when she so unhappily took her life i see now that the change in her dates back to the wedding day consequently any little peculiarity she may have shown at that time is not to be wondered at certainly not i boldly ventured if such peculiarities were shown after the fright given her by the catastrophe which took place in the library his eyes which were fixed on mine flashed and his hands closed convulsively we will not consider the subject he muttered reseating himself in the chair from which he had risen i bowed again and went out i did not dwell on the interview in my own mind nor did i allow myself to draw any conclusions from it till i had carried the blotter into the southwest chamber of the moore house and carefully compared the impressions made on it with the marks i had scratched on the surface of the mantel-shelf this i did by laying the one over the other after having made holes where his finger-tips had touched the blotter the holes in the blotter and the marks outlined upon the shelf coincided exactly End of chapter eight